You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. You know, I love the fact that uh, Jesus chose just the common things of life to illustrate heavenly truth. And some of the things he chose um, were more germane to that day, but other things he chose are as relevant today as they were then, such is the case here. He talked about vines and grapes and vineyards and fruit. Well, we get that. I mean, in Ohio, we have vineyards, and you go up through New York and up through New England, there's all kind of them out in California. we, we, We get this. And, and he, he, on the way to the cross, he makes application using a vineyard. Let's look at it. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now, uh, this is one of seven times in, in uh, John's gospel where Jesus uses an I am statement. I am the true vine. In so doing, he evokes the Exodus 3 um, passage where you know, God says, I am that I am. That's who sent you. It's Jesus saying, I am the eternal. I am the God of all gods. Um, and, and when he said, um, I am the true vine, he's, he's calling into their memory the fact that the nation of Israel had been called a vine all through scripture. Uh, look at this, um, Isaiah 5, 7, the vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And so all through scripture, uh, he, he makes this analogy. And he goes on, he says, the vine, uh, I am uh, the vine and my father's a gardener. He my father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, before we go on to the next verse, it's important to see how many branches are pruned? Every one of them. Every one of them. Every branch, even those that bear fruit, he prunes. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. He's speaking to his disciples. And he says, you're clean now. But you need to pay attention to this. And you need to stay current with this. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless... You remain in me. From this verse on through verse eight, eight times, eight times he uses the word remain, which means live in, dwell in, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. 
if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That you would bear much fruit. Well, what does fruit look like? If we are to bear fruit, what does, what does it look like? Well, some of it looks like obedience, that we would obey him. Uh, down a little farther in John 15, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you, as I have loved you, which puts a pretty high bar. You are my friends if you do what I command. So obeying him is bearing fruit. Reproduction is bearing fruit. And in every piece of fruit are seeds for the next generation. We are to reproduce. We are to be responsible to seeing other people come to faith. And then the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That when the Spirit indwells someone... They continue to grow. They continue to mature. Galatians 5 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, as you look at that list, I doubt that anybody would say, I got that piece of cake. I don't think so. In fact, Someone has said that as they look at that list, the farther down that list they get, it seems the harder it gets to to do those things, especially self-control there at the end. Now, today, uh, this is a beautiful passage, and we could really have a sermon series on just these eight verses, but I want us to look at one verse, one verse only, and it's this one. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, in in case you're not familiar with um, the vineyard and grapes and whatnot, this is what a beautiful grapevine looks like. You see, it, it just abounds in fruit. I mean, it's just so heavy, it just almost wants to fall off. That's a good vine. This, however, is a vine that grows in nature. Scraggly little grapes. I've run into these fishing, you know, along the shore. And I've picked a grape or two, and they're bitter, terribly bitter. But they've got great leaves, (laughs) lots of leaves. But a grapevine is not to grow leaves, it's to grow grapes. So every December or January, the vines are cut back all the way to the wood. Everything that bore fruit the previous season is gone. If they left them and then let the new shoots come, there'd be so many that the sap would have to go many different directions and the fruit would be diminished. So he says, every branch that bears fruit He prunes. How many branches? All of them. Every one of them. What percentage does that come to? 
I'm thinking 100%, right? <laughs> now, would that include you? Yeah, it would. And it includes me. So the vine cannot produce a crop without severe pruning. In fact, if you were to start a new vine for the first three years, you would not allow any fruit to grow on it. You'd prune off every shoot. There'd be no fruit at all for three years. And thereafter, you would aggressively prune it. Now, I've looked at this scripture for years and years, and it was this week that I, I, I saw a different take on it. Most of the time, I see this. Now, uh, probably because I'm a pastor, I see it as a, you know, as a pastor would, and I see the ebb and flow of church life, the ups and downs, the, the comings and the goings, you know. Uh, you know, sometimes churches go through a period of pruning. We're in one of those now. And, and then he'll bless and we'll grow and then contract and grow. and That's what he does. But, you know, he wasn't speaking to a bunch of pastors. He was speaking to his disciples. He was speaking to people. I do remember, though, in our first church, we... Uh, planted a church in a warehouse, and it really did quite remarkably well for about seven or eight years. Everything was up and to the right. But then year seven or eight, it kind of plateaued, and then eight and nine, it began to, to come down, and it was so hard on me. It was so hard on my ego. Man, my ego was all, all enmeshed in that. And I remember one Tuesday morning about 6.30, praying pouring my heart out to God. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, not with an audible voice. I didn't hear it with my ears. I heard it with my heart. And the thought was this, that I would have been happier if we had had 500 people in worship on Sunday and nobody got saved. We were running about 350. I'd been happier if we had 500, even if no one got saved, than I would be if we had 105 got saved. And I said, you know what, Holy Spirit, you're right. And it broke me. So, why, why does God prune us? Well, part of it is to remove what is dead and dying in us. Another reason, it removes those things that hinder us. Um, Hebrews 12, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, throwing off all those hindrances and the sin that so easily entangles. He differentiates between hindrances and sin. Hindrances aren't necessarily sin, but they slow us down. So he prunes us to remove those. He prunes us so that we can bear more fruit. He prunes us so that we can become more appropriately dependent on him. He prunes us so that he is freed to answer more of our prayers because our prayers are much more pure. He prunes us so that we recognize that it is him that is doing the work and not us. And he receives the credit 
and the glory. But mark my words, pruning hurts. It hurts. I, I, I can't spell it. I, I can't spell this word, but it hurts. It, the, the word is... <clears throat> right? Can you spell it? I can't either. It hurts. And he prunes us sometimes to almost nothing. He prunes us all the way back. Sometimes we wonder, will it grow ever again? You see, on a vine, there are shoots that come out and little sucker branches that come out. And they're aggressive and they come out all the time and they have to be aggressively cut. Continually pruned. And pruning cannot be rushed. It's a process. Ecclesiastes 3.1 tells us that there's a season for everything. It's a beautiful, poetic chapter, a time for everything. And, and there's a time for pruning. You know, there's, there's four seasons. I imagine there might be more, but, but I think we can put our spiritual lives into four seasons. The, the first season is, is growing God is in us and working through us and he's stretching us. Another season is pruning where God is cutting away dead branches, cutting away things that we might have an interest in but they have no eternal value, cutting away things that gratify our ego but don't do anything for the kingdom of God. God is purifying us during uh, the pruning season. Then there's a, a wilderness season where God walks with you in your suffering. Um, this is that season for many people right now, for uh, a larger group of people than normal. And um, as I pray for you, some of you, I, I don't pray that God would take away your pain especially if you're in mourning. I pray rather that he would join you in your pain, that you would know that the God of the universe is in it with you because he is. I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. The God of Jacob is with us, it says in Psalms 46. Psalm 34 the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Fourth season would be a, a harvest season when all things come together and you reap a harvest that is um, substantially beyond what you prepared for or what you did to, to get it ready. Um, Paul tells the Galatian church, let's not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. A harvest is promised if we do not give up. So how does God prune us? 
How, how does he do this? Well, I want to suggest um, three ways, and there's more, but three ways. The, the first is um, scripture. He uses scripture to speak to us and to, to do surgery on us and to prune us. It says in uh, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I hope, um, I hope you have uh, some kind of, of pattern of scripture reading. If you don't, um, I just started a young man uh, in the Gospel of John, and I often recommend it. If, if you don't have a, a, a regular Bible reading process, I, I would encourage you to start in the Gospel of John. Read a chapter or two a day, and read it and then sit with it. Ask yourself some questions. What's he saying here? What does this say to me? Um, spend time with it. Scripture prunes us. I, I tell you, pain prunes us. God doesn't cause our pain. But he'll use it. For in all things God works, it says in Romans 8, 28. God works through our pain. James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Pain. Psalm uh, 119 71, it was good for me to be afflicted that I might learn your decrees. When we are in pain, one of two things happens. We either surrender to the Lord and let him work in us and we become better or we become bitter. And you know people that have done each. And some of us do both of them. <laughs> there are times I start out bitter. Think better of it. Surrender to the Lord. Hebrews 12, 7. Endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I'll give you a third way he prunes us. It's almost counterintuitive. His kindness. <laughs> His kindness. Scripture says, it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. He's kind to us. And there are times when we contemplate his kindness and we think to ourselves, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to lay this down in light of his kindness to me. 
prunes us. Review. How many branches get pruned? What percent? That's right. All of us. What does he prune? Well, sometimes he prunes our attitudes. Our pride. Our people pleasing where we're more concerned about pleasing people than living principled lives. Sometimes an attitude of superiority or elitism. Our attitudes, he, he prunes them. Our thoughts. Our thoughts that don't show up in the way we drive and can't be smelled on our breath, but are deadly. Lustful thoughts. Sexual fantasy thoughts. Unforgiveness thoughts. A need for revenge thoughts. Thoughts that are not pleasing. Thoughts that he would not have. And in his love for you, he wants to prune them. Sometimes he prunes people from our lives. There may be somebody here who is in a relationship that's inappropriate. There may be somebody here who's beginning a relationship with somebody and you're already beginning to share things that maybe you haven't even shared with your spouse, which is always a red flag. You never share with anybody anything that you haven't shared with your spouse. You never say to somebody, I'm gonna tell you something about my spouse doesn't know this. No, no, no. Sometimes he prunes people from our lives. You might have noticed that sometimes when you're around certain people, you just begin to act certain ways and it's not pleasing to God. It's not who you want to be. Well, maybe. He wants those people pruned. It doesn't mean you discard them and you treat them like trash. It just means you don't give them your heart. It means you don't Leave yourself available to them. Sometimes he uh, prunes our beliefs. There are times when our concept of God is terribly off base. And he lovingly says, that's not who I am. That's, that's not how I operate. And he prunes these things. Sometimes it's pretty basic. There's sin in our lives. There's things that are being done that we know oughtn't be done. Attitudes held that have no business being held. And we know it. And he wants to prune it so that we can be even more fruitful. You see, these shoots always grow. You know, I, I, I am pruning back shoots that are growing at my age that didn't grow when I was in my 20s or my 40s. There are worries and temptations 
that attack me now that I didn't even know about in my 40s. So he continues to work with us because he loves us. Because we're not going to be here for long. And he wants us to be increasingly found more and more and more in the image and likeness of his son, Jesus. You do too, in your heart of hearts. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm gonna tell you, uh, in just a moment, I'm gonna pray. And when I say amen to that prayer, uh, I want you to treat that as it, as as the benediction that, that says, when I say amen, that says the, the service is over and you are free to leave. But let me tell you what's gonna happen. As I've been preparing this and praying through this this week, there's no question in my mind that I'm being pruned and that the Lord is talking to me about some things. And so when I say amen to this prayer, I, I'm just going to walk off this platform and kneel. And you might want to also. It could be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And that this might be a wonderful time to lay your life before him and say, Lord, do what you want. Prune as you will. And if that's you, then I invite you to join me. I, I would ask that um, unless the Lord says to you, hey, come up and pray with Doug, then don't. Unless the Lord says, hey, come up and pray with Lori, then don't. But if the Lord says, pray with Doug, pray with Lori, pray with Steve, then you, you just go right ahead. That's, that's fine. But sometimes people just need a place where they can pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that in your great love for us, you do not leave us to be stagnant. That you encourage, even provoke us to be more than we thought we could be. We recognize, Father, that nothing done of ourselves is going to matter for eternity. Only that which is done by your power. And so we pray with the breath we have and the time we have that you would prune us that you would help us to be more like Jesus. And to that end, we pray to the Holy Spirit who is fully God. We recognize, Holy Spirit, that you love to bring people to the Father. And we pray that you have the freedom now to do just that. Come, Holy Spirit. Do what you love to do.
I pray, my Father, that right now, your people in this place would hear your voice. We wouldn't be worried about dinner or what's next or the Browns game. But our hearts would be centered on what you're saying to us. We invite you to do your work in us. We surrender to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, friends. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.